So Comic-Con starts today. We're going to talk about that and more on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Andy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 158 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and unfortunately today we do not have Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. She and her family are dealing with some issues right now, so certainly our thoughts and hopes are with her, and we hope that she'll be able to come back soon. In the meantime, taking her chair, we have a certified geek, a ghostbuster, and co-host, of the real deal. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the Geek Watch podcast, Mr. Kevin Pauly. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a tick. It's nice to be here. I, I hate that it's under the circumstances with Mandy's family, so I definitely want to extend my deepest sympathies and love and just support to them. It's great to be here, though, talking with you, and uh, a lot of things to talk about in the realm of geek culture. Wherever you want to start, there's plenty of topics to pick. I will let you just take the lead and we'll go. Well, of course, today we have the first day of Comic-Con. Yes, so we do. At this point, we're getting a lot of rumors, but they haven't really published anything directly yet. Most of that's going to be over the next few days or so. Sure. My big thing, I'm into action figures again. That's my crack addict right now. And so a lot of the new action figures are being debuted at San Diego Comic-Con. So that's I've seen that. And then like today, of course, I saw the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves trailer, which totally looks like it gets like it knows what it is, and it's just going to be a fun romp through that world. I would say I didn't really have much interest in it until I saw the trailer. Now I'm just like, okay, I, I might actually have to check this out. This looks fun. But that's like really the newest trailer that I've seen right now from Comic-Con. It's weird because now in this post-pandemic Comic-Con setup, it's not the big attraction that it was before as far as all the studios being guaranteed. You know, Marvel always had a big production there. Disney would have some huge thing. Like, all those big... You don't really see that right now. So, like you said, it's a bunch of rumors and a bunch of rumblings, which is cool because at least it gives you something to look forward to. But I really don't know what we're going to see. And the last I had heard, I didn't think Marvel was even going to be there. So... I don't well, even know if that's act- the case now. Did they well, finally they show are. They actually, okay, they are going to be there. Okay. This is going to be their first trip back to Hall H for a while, and this was even before the pandemic. Now, I question this, however. A lot of people are excited because they think that we're going to be getting a lot of news out of Comic-Con, and I don't agree with that. I would agree with that statement that you're be- saying. I don't think we will. Because I suspect a bunch of teasers, Yep. but D23 is going to be where they drop the bombs. I would agree, especially since Marvel is under Disney's realm. I would say that's a very strong possibility. I think we will get probably information about projects we already know about. Mm-hmm. But if there's going to be like some major drops, like a Blade movie or something like that, like we'll see that. I'm going to agree completely it'll be D23. The big thing I'm wanting to hear out of Marvel is just I want to finally hear what's going on with the Fantastic Four film. That's the film I really need. That's the film that I not only just need it to exist, I need it to be good. <laughs> I need to finally have a Fantastic Four movie where all four of them are fantastic and Dr. Doom is actually goddamn Dr. Doom. Like, he's <laughs> not some, just by the whatever. way, like, whatever. He's actually, like, the ruler of Lotveria. He is a mastermind of science and magic, I, and, and he's serious as a heart attack. That's what I want. It's what I need. I had heard, I can't remember who I was talking to this week, but someone had heard rumblings that, and again, this is probably just wild speculation, but you and I have known each other for a long time, and you may remember that we had this conversation but there have been rumblings that Steven Spielberg's name has been thrown into the rumor mill Mm -hmm. for the Fantastic Four. And if you remember when we saw Catch Me If You Can, 
one of the first things I said when I got out of the theater was, I need him to do a Fantastic Four film set in the 1960s and have it look just like he did with Catch Me If You Can. And that would be the most magical film that could be made. We may not get it set in the 60s like the original comic, but someone like Spielberg at the helm of really Marvel's first family, that's the kind of person that you need. You can't give that project to some new up-and-comer. You need to have someone with the gravitas to pull that off. Of the new guard, I would be like, you know, James Gunn would be an excellent choice for a Fantastic Four director. But beyond that, when I heard Spielberg, I'm like, you know what? He knows how to work with visual effects. You know that someone like him is going to bring clout to a project like that. He's going to get whatever actors that he wants. He'll have carte blanche. Yeah. And someone of his level coming in to direct a Marvel film, like, good God, that would be... We never got him to direct a Star Wars film, but if we could get him on a Marvel film, I'd be like, that's the one I would give him. I would give him the Fantastic Four. Get out of his way. Yeah. Let him make it. Any of the news programs that you see... Online, they're all have been very quick to say, guys, don't get your hopes up for Steven Spielberg. Yeah, it's definitely a huge grain of salt. Humongous. But I'm just saying from a geek standpoint and Spielberg being my all-time favorite director, he's the reason I got into movies. Yeah. uh, God, would I love to see it. You can't imagine a better pairing to me. Oh, for sure. And my point being is that so many people are saying, hey, don't count on this, that it makes me go, why are they all saying it? Yeah. This could be a swerve. Who knows? It could be. Who knows? But regardless, that's the, the project I'm most excited about for the future of Marvel is by and far. The yeah. Fantastic Four. I suspect we'll probably see a little bit of something from Wakanda Forever. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a given. And I would think we won't see any of the Disney Plus stuff. That's going to be all D23. No doubt in my mind. That's all yeah. back there. Now, we may get... Maybe the New Guardians. The New that, Guardians. I could see that, especially since they're doing the Christmas special. I could see something. They might yeah. push that a little bit. Although, again, that might wait till D23 because it is a Disney Plus special. I could also see maybe we might actually get a little inkling of Blade if that's where they're at with that. But I really think, I'm with you, I think all the big stuff, all the big cards they're holding in their hand, that's all going to be D23 because they really control that. That's their thing. And yeah. they're going to absolutely make sure they've got the best for their thing. Yeah, they're not going to come out swinging at... They uh, don't, but the things they don't need to. Really, just, they don't need to. Yeah, just enough to get people interested. And that, that's what I suspect. So I figure we may get a, a taste of a few things, but yeah, I wouldn't count on any major thing until D23. I'd like maybe if they could give us some info about Daredevil, like what they're doing with Daredevil. We know that Charlie Cox is back in that role. Just is it going to be a Disney Plus thing? Is he going to pop up more in the MCU If they could give us some of that information, that's definitely something I really want to know. Yeah, he has already been confirmed he's going to be an Echo. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, That's super cool. What a great thing for him to come back into. That would be excellent. Yeah, Because, of course, Daredevil and Echo have a history in the comics. And if you're bringing back the Kingpin, Wilson Fisk. That's a brilliant combo right there. That is. That's smart money. And like I said, there's been little bits of rumors. I heard that they're going to announce at Comic-Con that Henry Cavill's coming back as Superman. I'm fine with that. I mean, again, my issues with Man of Steel, and for those of you who've never heard me talk about it, if I could throat punch a movie, it would be (laughs) Man of Steel. I genuinely hate that film, but I don't hate Cavill. I think he's a great Superman, and I think when you look at Justice League, and I'll even say this, even more importantly, Joss Whedon's Justice League, when you get to see him be the actual smiling, like happy, hopeful Superman, dude's got it. You can't deny he physically is like the perfect embodiment of Superman. There are certain people I, I like. I would never have a fight with that person. And Henry Cavill is like going to be towards the top of that list. That is a mountain of a man. But he looks like he stepped off of a comic book. Yeah. And his Superman is wonderful. And when you get to see him be the human 
Superman. And again, that's so important, the word human, because all they wanted to do in Man of Steel was talk about how he's an alien mm-hmm. and not a human. He's an alien, yes, but he was raised on this planet. He's a human. His DNA and everything is different, sure, but he's a human. And when Cavill's given the chance to do that, he does a great job. So I personally would be totally down with that. Now, I will say on the DC side, I'm really stoked for their upcoming films. And I will tell you right now, I don't know that I'll anticipate another one of their films more than Shazam 2 right now. Because, A, I love Shazam. It's wonderful. It's Superman Homecoming is the way I described (laughs) it. It's a wonderful film. And then you bring back all those people and you throw in Helen Mirren. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And again, it's been well documented on this podcast what I felt about the original Shazam costume. Although, again, it wasn't enough to ruin the movie for me. But have you seen any of the art for the new one? New stuff looks great. Yeah. It looks great. Everything looks like it's up to the next level, which is what you would hope. Yes, and I'm very much liking the new costume, although... Not everybody likes the new costume, but then again, you can't make everybody happy. Well, and the thing is, the iconicness of it is that you still get the red suit with the lightning bolt and the cape. If you've got that, you've got Shazam. Now, the texture and how the bolt sits on whatever, fine, whatever. But the main idea is there, yeah. and I really have no problem with it. I think yeah, it's totally fine. I certainly feel like a lot of that costume design is following the lead of Black Adam. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, Absolutely. And, yeah. and that looks good. Yeah. I'm actually pretty stoked for Black Adam. I like the idea of The Rock getting to play a little bit of a, an anti-hero, a little bit of a villain. It, it will be cool to see that kind of a character in that universe. He'll basically be Superman, because Superman's a, basically an anti-hero in his two movies, so why not? But I am excited to see how that plays out. But honestly, Shazam is the one I'm most excited about. Now, God, the big question we have with them right now, though, obviously, is the Ezra Miller situation. Yeah. What is going to happen with Flash and... What does that mean for the future of that franchise? Because I'll tell you right now, I have no love for Ezra Miller at all, but I sure do love Michael Keaton, and I sure can't wait to see him back in that bat suit. Yeah. And I really don't want to see that ruined because of Ezra Miller and their incredible arrogance and their ridiculous nature in these past few years. I genuinely don't get it. I really don't. You've been given the keys to the kingdom, and you have completely yeah, just ruined it. And the other thing of it, too, is that Obviously, there's just way too much money into this that they... Oh, yeah, they, they can't just redo it. They've yeah. already put tens of millions, hundreds yeah. of millions into it, probably at this point now. Not that they haven't put $100 million into a remake of something. Right. Uh, which, again, I'm still trying to understand that. Yeah. But, yeah, they're all in with The Flash. Now, obviously, they're, this is going to be it for Ezra Miller as that character. There's no way... Not, I, ever, I, I had heard, have you heard more about the idea that this will not go to the theaters, but it will go streaming? It'll go to HBO I have, Max. I have heard that, but I doubt that's going to be the case. They've got way too much money in this. Plus, they've taken a drudging with their streaming. It that's is, fair. And everybody is basically trying to back out of streaming and try to get things into theaters. And Warner Brothers, they know if they just send this straight to HBO Max, it's going to be a disaster for them. I'm sure they'll get a lot of eyeballs, but unless it translates it into new subscriptions, it's not going to be helpful for them. And I don't see how that's, at this point in the game, I don't think a Flash movie is going to move the needle for new subscriptions nearly to what it would need to do to make it a viable thing for them to that's put fair. it there. That's fair. So I, they are in for a lot of money, and they've, got to make it back or at least as much of it as possible i just like said i wonder at this point though how much damage is done will audiences come out and support this film and in essence support ezra miller that's the question i have well you know all of us and warner brothers 
don't have the answer to that question. Dude. And they're not going to have it until, until they, they release do. it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's going to be, you know, it's been delayed so many times. And it's not, I, last I heard it was maybe next year we might see this. Yeah. I think they that's the longest they can go with it before it starts wrecking the continuity of whatever they have planned for that universe at this point. So, yeah, they got to get it out. But I think, yeah, I've heard like early 2023 now, I think is what I was last hearing. Yeah. Yeah. But, of course, over the weekend, we'll be getting more information and more news, and that'll certainly be something that we talk about. Geek-wise, what have you been watching recently? Obviously, just finishing up all my shows on streaming. So that's Stranger Things Season 4, which I thought was outstanding. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful season that was. The Boys Season 3, which is just getting more and more insane. And I love it. I'm here for it. It's just, wow, that's been something else. And then just finishing up Miss Marvel, which what a little breath of fresh air that was. What oh, a yeah. cute, fun show that was. I was stunned how much I liked it. And the final episode, Mandy had made a note there when she was talking to us about this, was the name drop of the X-Men. You get that little theme music. Yeah. And sting. of course, we heard that earlier this year from Doctor Strange and the, the Multiverse of Madness. So yeah. I'm really liking that they're letting us know that the X-Men are coming and using that theme to because people know it. It's a very iconic theme of the 1990s. So I loved that aspect of it. And I love that we're getting mutants now in this world. So that's, to me, really exciting. Film-wise, of course, I just saw Thor Love and Thunder, yeah. which was fun. I don't like it more than Ragnarok. Yeah. But I like it. It's fun. It's fine. I wish it could have struck a little bit more of a balance in its tone. But it's a Taika Waititi film, and he's always fun to watch, so yeah. no harm, no foul there. And let's see, what was the most recent thing I did? Um, honestly, everything I've watched this year, nothing has done the impact for me as everything everywhere all at once. Oh, yeah. Nothing has come close to the sheer genius and joy and art on display in that film. Goodness gracious. And I saw that it's getting re-released with eight minutes more footage, so I'm like, okay, I'm back in for that. So <laughs> yeah, of course. Done. Let's buy that ticket. So yeah, super stoked about that. I'll be honest, the two movies that have shocked me the most this year, the two I've enjoyed the most, were Everything Everywhere All at Once and, uh, and The Black Phone. Yeah. That film blew me away. I, and I had known nothing about the black phone going into the theater. Like, I had no, no idea at all. I'd seen the poster. Yeah. I, I knew Ethan Hawke. That's it. I didn't even know who wrote it. I didn't realize it was based off of a Joe Hill story. Yeah. So I that film blew me away. Wow. That's a great movie. And it's not just a great horror film. It's just a great film. Right. It's well-directed. It's beautifully acted. Goodness gracious. Those two kids, the leads in that, oh, yeah. they got futures. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you right now. Ethan Hawke, also outstanding outstandingly good in that part. And I believe now it's on video on demand. It's on some streaming services. Yeah. That's worth your time. If you've not seen it and you're looking for a horror film that's not just cheap jump scares and gore for the sake of gore, this is real storytelling. It's neat because it takes place in the 70s. Oh, yeah. And it feels like a film made in the 70s. Oh, yeah. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Oh, yeah. And, and I had mentioned this before that, of course, about that time, I would have been about the age of those kids yeah. that year. It felt very familiar to me. Well, they did a bang-up job on the sets, the costumes, the yeah. cars, everything. Like, they really nailed that aesthetic. In the same way that, like, Stranger Things nails the 80s aesthetic, this nailed oh, the yeah. 70s aesthetic. Yeah, it definitely felt familiar. It, I did feel like, yeah, I remember all of this. And, like I said, it's great to hear you say a lot of wonderful things about everything, everywhere, all at once, because usually it's just me saying that on the podcast, <laughs> because I refuse to stop singing the praises of this. I can't stop talking about it. Everybody, I'm like, if you want to see a great multiverse movie, and I did enjoy Doctor Strange, don't get me wrong, it's fun. It's a Sam Raimi film, it couldn't be. It couldn't anything be anything. But everything, everywhere, all at once is... The way I felt when I came out of the theater from that, I hadn't felt that way since 2019 when you and I came out of the theater for both Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Ford v. Ferrari. 
And yeah. in, in all three of those cases, the vibe that I just had going through me when I came out was like, this is why you go to the movies. Movies like this, movies that push the boundaries, that change the format, that that change the formula, that that, that are so unabashedly their own thing. And they're not trying to win awards. They're just making the film that they wanted to make. And if you're with them, that's great. And if you're not, that's all right too. You don't have to be. But if you're with us, then you're going to have a great time. And I love the fact that Everything Everywhere All at Once has been successful, that it's made money, that it's getting a re-release, that people are actually talking about it. And it's a movie that deserves to be celebrated. And the more I think about it, the more it almost creeps up into like my top 10 films of all time, because I can honestly say I've never seen anything like it. Oh, yeah. And I don't know that I will for the next 25 to 50 years. I've genuinely never seen anything like that movie. And it's just the pure cinema experience. It's art on display. It's up there with films like Kubo and the Two Strings. And again, that vibe from Ford versus Ferrari and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, this is cinema. Yeah. This is art. It's not just a fun, big, goofy movie. And it's definitely that. If that's all you want out of it, you definitely get that in spades. Yeah. But there's so many layers to that movie. And some of them deeply cut into the soul, man. Like what it means to be alive and what it means to be a human. And not just the everything is great because you're alive. But no, you're going to have heartache. And you're going to have struggles. But they're part of the experience. Yeah. You have to have the bad to really make you appreciate the good. And when you've lived a life like that, like I have, that film really registered with me. And it's just one of those movies. It's just pure cinema. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. I could sit here for another hour and sing its praises. And I have. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, just saying if Michelle Yeoh and Kihi Kwan don't get Academy Award nominations, just even just nominations, there's something horribly wrong with the system. And I Both of them give career-defining performances. Yeah. And I don't know what movie it is, but I think that the two of them are going to be in another movie together. <sighs> So, bring them on. Yeah. Bring them on. It is so great seeing Kihi Kwan come back. Yeah. He did an interview on Jimmy Kimmel, and it's one of the sweetest, most sincere things I have ever, ever seen. That man is a treasure. He must be protected at all costs. Yeah. What a genuinely just good human being. And, of course, Michelle Yeoh is awesome. Michelle Yeoh is Michelle Yeoh, and she's, like, the one stunt person that even Jackie Chan's afraid of. So Michelle Yeoh is a badass. She's the definition of badass. She's been a Bond girl. She's in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. She's outdone Jackie Chan on stunts, and now she's in this, and she and Jamie Lee Curtis are outstanding. Like, she and Kiki Kwan are outstanding. James... Hong is always amazing, and the and I'm, I forgot the actress' name, but the daughter in this movie is mm-hmm. outstanding. She is outstanding, and it's the whole cast is the whole cast is amazing. Yeah, every frame of that film is perfect. I wouldn't change one damn thing. Oh yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, was dude. A- Jamie Lee Curtis, I'd be fine if she got an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. I got zero problem with that idea at all. Not at all. And I would tell that to anybody. I think her work in that is some of the best work she's ever done because, again, everybody in that film, they're playing multiple versions of themselves. So every performance is a layered performance. Yeah. And that's not easy to do, man. And you got to switch between concepts of characters and and literally like the moment it takes to push a button on your ear, you've got to become something else completely in that moment. And that's in camera happening right there. That's real actors really going through those motions. It's real, man. It's art. It's 
uh, seriously, yeah. we could sit here for two more hours and talk about this movie. If you've not seen it, go. Just go and see it if you can in the theater because it is truly a cinematic experience. Yeah. If you wait until television to see this, I'm sorry for you. Yeah. Because while I will own it and I will watch it on my TV, not a problem at all, seeing it on the big screen, seeing it in a cinema with other people and just getting the rush of that film. Yeah. It'll knock you out through the back of the theater, man. I'm telling you. And I will definitely say as wonderful as it was to see on the big screen, it was even more wonderful to see it in IMAX. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. It's, that's just one of those movies that I will never forget getting to see it in the theater. And I took Cindy to see it and she got high beforehand. (laughs) And I just remember her looking at me by the time we got to hot dog fingers and she was just like, I shouldn't have smoked. (laughs) No, No, actually you should have. This is great. (laughs) It's like, you may be having an issue right now. Me, however, I'm, I'm having, having the, a great time. Dude. I'm having the time of my I life. Mean, I'll be honest. It's a movie I wouldn't even drink Robitussin before going to see because it's just it's it. That movie is a drug in and of itself. It really is it's nuts. It's wonderful. It's it's perfect. I would not change one single frame of that film, but I can't wait to see what the extra eight minutes are. Yeah, I'm just I, tickled to death to get more of that universe. It's all oh, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it's another multiverse we haven't even seen yet. I'd be totally fine with that. Oh, yeah. Maybe we've got uh, hot dog bun fingers. Oh, you never else. know. Who's just, Maybe there's hamburger lips. I don't know. Anything could be there. We'll see. But anything is possible. Anything is possible. Hashtag just be a rock. All righty. So the trailer for the new Munsters movie. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's just best not to talk about it. Obviously... Anyone who's seen it, I'm just shaking my head, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, a good way to put it. I It looks like a trailer for those some of the old trauma films. The sound is off. The color is what really took me out of it. The black and white shots actually look good. Yeah, they like, look they like... They really the, look like the TV show. Seeing it in color, Herman just does not... He's way too... He's almost like neon green, like glowing green, like toxic waste green. Yeah. And I, I just... No, it doesn't register with me. Yeah, the thing too is that if you saw, of course, the monster, there were a couple of there. Yeah, monsters go home. It's sure, and even when they were in color, they didn't look that ridiculously overdone. They looked, for lack of a better word, they looked like they would really look in that universe. The Herman's green, yes, but he's not day glow neon green. He's very muted. It's again, he's dead skin, so it's that kind of. Right. That, that bluish green, as it should have been. Yeah, and I think the reason why it was done that way is because they knew they were going to be shooting black and white scenes. And if you're shooting in black and white, that's the type of color you want you to use. You have to, yes, absolutely. But you have to change the makeup if you're shooting in color. Yeah. And they didn't really do that. Nope. And, again, it looks like a straight-to-VHS movie even the framing is that way the sound the sound is not good it's weird yeah it sounds like a grade c film yeah it doesn't sound like a film that universal pictures put money into to give rob zombie to direct it doesn't have that you're right there's something off it's a little tinny i don't know what it is but you're right there's something weird yeah and it's it definitely has that feel to it now where i started to run into an issue with this is i was thinking about this and i'm like now rob zombie has shot movies before yeah he knows how to do sound on a film. He knows how to basically set up a shot and all of this. Sure. It's not like he just doesn't know what he's doing. So did, is he doing this on purpose? Is this what he intended to do? Because if this is his vision, this is exactly what he intended to do and he succeeded at it. Okay, then everybody who's complaining about it, they're complaining about this looks cheap and he wanted it to look cheap. So now I find myself in this situation. Am I now in the position of saying, 
I don't agree with your choice. I haven't seen your movie yet, but I think you made a bad choice with doing it that way. I found myself torn because it's like artist vision versus the audience's expectations sure. and what they want. Sure. Going back to DC, this Rolling Stone article accused Zack Snyder of using bots to turn up to go in and all of the release the Snyder cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, you know. he used bots to get the attention yeah. for Warner Brothers to actually do it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's how he got the People's Choice Award thing recently. That was actually like, that was confirmed. It was like spam. Yeah. How on earth did that get the best comic book moment or whatever, the iconic moment over every other film that was on that list? Yeah. Even over Spider-Man Far From Home, like, or No Way Home, like, no. And there have been denials that this was a thing. And so it's still questioned whether he actually did it or not. Although, like you say, it seems like he has done this before in other places. I'll just say, would it shock me? No, it wouldn't. Wouldn't shock me at all. And it's, for me, I guess, if that's what he did to get it done, then you know what? Hey, more power to him as far as like, boy, you really duped a studio to dump a ton of money so you could finally release. Now, Now, don't get me wrong. Like, Everything that happened with his family and stuff, like, that's tragic and that's awful and I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And I want to make sure that I say that before I say this, but it's like you moved away from it, you, you were doing other stuff. If you did do that, if that was what he did do, then that's incredibly shady and incredibly low just to get to make the movie that you wanted to make. When you stepped away from it, you handed the reins over to Whedon, who had to put together something really quick. At that point, it should have been like, if you want to do this on your own time and you want to get it done at some point, that's cool. Like, maybe talk to the studio. I'm sure they would be happy to work with you on it. But to basically blackmail them into making your dream vision project, that's... And spend an additional, I think, like $100 million? Yeah, it was well up into the nine figures. And I'm just like, that's not cool. Yeah. Like, it's really not. And again, I... On this podcast said that we were never going to skip a Snyder cut because the millions of dollars it would take to get it in a way that you could actually show it anywhere. Yeah. And you're not going to see a four hour cut anywhere. Yeah, and if did. it wasn't for and if it wasn't for the fact that you had HBO Max and Warner a pandemic Brothers, where everything shut down. And the fact that a new streaming service and Warner Brothers wanted to kick it off yeah. big. And this could be something... It worked. That level, it got subscriptions. Yeah. It did. But at the same time, you have Zack Snyder using fake fandom yeah. to get something through. That's just not cool. Yeah. And so with that said, we come to the end of episode 158. Thank you for listening and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Kevin Polly, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.